Hi, everyone, and welcome to another She's in Tech podcast. We have a really exciting day for you. My name is Daisy Nolan. I am a front-end software engineer at a company called Publicist. So I transitioned from uh, marketing and a self-taught as a front-end engineer. Next, uh, we'll have uh, Lindsay. I'll let Lindsay introduce. Hi, I'm Lindsay. I'm a senior software engineer at a company called This Dot. You can find me on Twitter at lbrownin86. Great, and I'm really excited because we have an amazing guest speaker today, uh, Caroline Milton. So Caroline. Hi everyone, I am Caroline Milton. I'm a former industrial engineer turned health and burnout coach. After experiencing burnout myself and then digging into what was going on in my body, I was just really astounded by all of the amazing things that I was learning about stress, about burnout, about nutrition and pivoted my career into owning this business and helping provide support to other female engineers who work their best. I remember working my tail off to become a senior developer. I read every book I could get my hands on. I went to any conference I could and watched the videos about the things that I thought I needed to learn. And eventually I got that senior developer job. And then I realized that the rest of my career looked just like where I was now. I mean, where was the rush I got from learning? What was I supposed to do to keep growing? And then I found it. I got the chance to mentor some developers. I started a podcast and helped many more developers. I did screencasts and helped even more developers. I kind of became a dev hero. And now I want to help you become one too. And if you're looking forward to something more than doing the same thing at a different job three years from now, then join the Dev Heroes Accelerator. I'll walk you through the process of building and growing a following and finding people that you can uniquely help as you build the next stage of your career. You can learn more at devheroesaccelerator.com. I really like appreciate you trying to help others. That's something I'm trying to be better, like my physical health, my mental health. So have you seen like a correlation between stress and how it affects the health? Can you talk more about that? Yeah, absolutely. This science is really interesting to me and it's really astounding the reach of unmanaged stress. And my own personal experience with that I thought I was very healthy in terms of how I ate and how I exercised, but I had zero stress management techniques at the time. And that was really what was causing a lot of issues. Stress impacts our quality of sleep. It disrupts our sleep patterns. Therefore, we can wake not as rested and therefore not as resilient to stress. It can be a very vicious cycle of not giving the body the proper opportunity to rest and recover during that deep sleep period of time. And then as a result, experiencing higher stress levels the the following day because we haven't given the body the ability to reset that nervous system. It also impacts our nutrition in ways that a lot of people don't recognize. And we could be experiencing gas and bloating throughout the workday and incorrectly assume that it's correlated to the foods that we're eating when in fact eating under stress causes exacerbated gas and bloating. It also causes a decreased assimilation of our nutrients and satiation, meaning that we're hungry again more quickly, our blood sugar drops, we lose focus, we reduce our productivity. So that's part of my mission is really helping individuals and organizations recognize that there's such a, a key piece to productivity, which is the individual 
human resource, right? And understanding the decisions that we're making, the, the tools that we're equipped with throughout the day can really contribute to overall productivity in the workplace. I'm glad you kind of brought up and talked about all the different types of like health factors with stress. I'm trying to um, have a family and they say like the stress is the number one, like a really big problem when trying to do that. And so, but I, when you read that or hear that like stress, I'm like I'm not stressed out, like everything's so good. And then you know, I feel like I'm in denial because I do love my job, but sometimes balancing job, that work-life balance is really stressful. Do you have advice on people that are like me that they don't feel like they're stressed out or do you have uh, tips to find out how someone is either burned out or really stressed? Because like I said, I'm one that's in the Nile, like, oh, my life is perfect and wonderful. So yeah, you bring up a good point. And I call this comparative stress where thinking of stressors as being kind of those big devastating moments of life or where we might look at another person externally and, and think, they're dealing with so much, maybe the passing of a loved one or a major illness or economic precarity and thinking, I'm not dealing with that, so I'm not stressed. When in reality, there are stressors throughout our day, right? That everybody is dealing with stress. Our bodies are designed to stress. I mean, that's part of our survival as a species is our stress response. So stress plays a pivotal role in how we navigate throughout the day, but unchecked unmanaged, it can cause a lot of those issues. So I have a tool that I like to use when I'm working one-on-one with clients, which is called emotional brain training, which has us take a daily inventory of our stress and recognize the days where we're feeling really great and the days where we're feeling really stressed. And it gets us better in tune with the things that are causing us stress, whether it's that we're typically running behind schedule and getting to work, right? A little bit of extra time during our commute, perhaps, is causing us stress during the day. Or maybe it's interactions with coworkers that are contributing to our stress. Maybe it's the fact that we want to be doing more for ourselves physically or emotionally, but we feel like we don't have the time to. We as a generation, millennials really at the forefront of it, but also the generations to follow us, are achievement addicts. And it kind of points back to a shift in parenting styles in the 1980s, away from unstructured free play and into organized activities. This can be correlated to a number of different things in terms of economic reasons for both parents now needing to be in the workforce which meant that their kids needed to have some place to be when they weren't at school and they weren't at home. And so we've, from a very early age, been accustomed to living by an agenda or working toward a goal. And as a result, can make us feel very reckless if we're not on, right? If we're not investing in what's next for our career, or what's next for our finances, or what's next for our family. And that can be a stressor that we don't acknowledge is that I'm constantly needing to achieve more. And we have to actually learn the practice of just resting, just being still. I really thank you for all of that. Because now I, I was listening to you and I was just like, 
wow, that I am feel like I'm trying to juggle just way too much. I mean, my husband is great and helps with the dishes and the cooking, but you know, sometimes, you know, I feel bad if he handles that because of how I was raised, women did that kind of stuff. And so it's, you know, even though I have a partner that's so helpful and doesn't believe in those, those gender roles growing up in a household that did, it's just very, very different. But yeah, I mean, now I can think I'm like, throughout the whole day, I'm always thinking of like, okay, what are we going to do for dinner? What are we going to do for that? And so realizing like, man, I'm probably am more stressed than I definitely think I am. Yeah, absolutely. That's a a great point too, that women carry so much extra mental load because of those gender roles historically that are becoming more prevalent now with the majority of women working full-time positions and then also being responsible for a lot of the logistics that happen outside of work. And most men don't have that same mental load, right? They might be thinking about the immediate decision that needs to be made, but they're not thinking about the long-term decision. I'm, I'm really excited about some different conversations that are happening in small intimate settings and then broader scale about there being more equitable distribution of those types of mental load tasks. But it is an adjustment period of like learning to trust that your husband can do those activities and do them well even if they're they're not done the way that you would. And that, you know, that that is going to seep into future generations and seep into the workplace and all these different areas where where men and women and, and, you know, every gender is is sharing a lot of those same responsibilities. Yeah. So I definitely want to kind of uh, switch a little bit and learn more about your background in tech. And then kind of like, you said you wanted, you used your experiences, but I kind of would love to hear more about that of like your in tech and then switching over to what your current role is today. Do you mind talking more about that? Yeah. So I worked primarily in manufacturing when I was in the corporate world. My degree was in biomedical engineering, but I worked in food and beverage manufacturing. So I've really never worked in the biomed space after college. My my internships in college were in the biomedical space. But my interest in the the human body was what inspired my degree. I was always really fascinated with the way the body moves, with the way the body is so incredibly intricate. Genetics fascinated me, biomaterials fascinated me, the, the instrumentation of, of new medical advances always really excited me. It just so happened that there were really very limited entry-level jobs when I graduated from school. And so I ended up in the manufacturing world and was doing a lot in terms of employee development. So I thought I would be very technical in my roles, but found myself in people-facing roles. And really, I loved learning from my, my tradespeople, whether they were my programmers, whether they were my electrical mechanics or my mechanical mechanics, there was always something to learn. And I was also really motivated by how much they continued to want to learn. And I got really interested in in people development during that part of my career and found myself pulled more into people development, pulled more into advancing women's careers through my organization. 
and less pulled into the technical side of things, which surprised me at first. And now when I look back, I'm like, I've always loved being around people. I don't know why I was surprised by that. And so when I when I was kind of reassessing what I wanted to do after leaving my last now corporate role, I thought I'd be pivoting into a different area of engineering or maybe even a different area of manufacturing. And when I stumbled upon health coaching as a career, I recognized the ability to overlap my skills as a people manager with my obsession, fascination with the human body and really helping people feel like they're in control of their body more than maybe we we tend to be. And one thing I've I've noticed time and time again with my clients who are all women in STEM is that we've been told our entire lives that our brains are awesome, right? Like we're intelligent, we're problem solvers, we're creative. And so sometimes that can distort our relationship with how we treat our body because we view it as not as important or not as special as our mind. And so that's a really interesting approach with clients to understand how sophisticated their body is and how their body can support uh, that incredible brain they have. That is amazing. I love it when we have these uh, speakers that come in and so many people were just like, they went into tech and they found their passion in tech, but not necessarily working in tech. And then they just go off and just do these amazing things. They see a need and they, it's just, it's mind blowing to me. And so it takes such bravery to be able to just say, mm. yeah, this is what I want to do and then just do it. Yeah. So really, really awesome. One of my other questions is for someone that is burned out, do you have advice on like what they should do or they should talk with someone about that? Absolutely. I think important conversations around burnout need to be happening in the workplace. And it can be really intimidating to communicate burnout with direct supervisors or with the the, the, the company's HR department. But it, it, again, it's important conversations to have. When I experienced it, I was very embarrassed by it. And I refused to acknowledge that what I experienced was burnout. I thought it made me weak. I could not understand how I was fewer than 10 years post-grad and already experiencing burnout. And the more I've learned about burnout, the more I've recognized, oh no, I've, again, I've been seeking achievement and approval for my entire life, <laughs> nearly. And so it's much longer than 10 years, but that is also very prevalent. And each person is going to experience burnout differently due to their factors. Some people experience physical burnout. That was me. Other people experience emotional or mental burnout. And we can cycle in and out of these different types of burnout. So if you're experiencing it yourself, having the conversation with either your direct supervisor or someone in upper management that you trust is really important just to acknowledge, hey, something feels out of balance here. And I feel like perhaps I'm losing some of my boundaries that are contributing to burnout. So boundaries are a really important thing to look at as we're understanding burnout, because that typically indicates bleed over from one area of our life into another. And reestablishing the boundary can be a really helpful practice in in coming back in balance. 
Now, also, if you're very action oriented, it can be easy to assume that in order to recover from burnout will require just problem solving your way out of it, right? Like PDCA that thing and, and find yourself back into a state of homeostasis. But in truth, when we're experiencing burnout, that means our nervous system is overwhelmed and we actually need to take a much softer approach to recovery. So for example, a lot of us have learned that exercise is an important part of maintaining our health. And prominent culture belief is that the right exercise is the exercise that burns the most calories that gets your heart rate escalated. But studies are showing that that's actually counterproductive for people who are in a state of burnout, that really contractive exercises, high intensity equates to high stress, right? So your body is already out of balance and it needs movement, but it needs lower intensity movement. It needs a little bit more nourishing movement. So things like restorative yoga, things like going for a nature walk, things that still ask your body to move through time and space, but without a focus on just <laughs> burning as many calories as possible. So taking that softer approach can be really valuable in coming, again, back into state of balance or a state of homeostasis and being able to then move forward from there. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Hey, folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium. I am trying to be healthier all the way around, and definitely was doing those really crazy high-intensity workouts, and, you know, just felt drained, like exhausted. And I felt like I was constantly getting sick. And of course, this is happening this year. So it's like, oh, goodness, like, do I have, yeah. you know, it's sickness or what's going on. And I found that I just moved to North Carolina and the Appalachian Trail and had been hiking and backpacking so much more. And I found so much that I'm have more peace within myself, which is just crazy because I think that packing, I probably burn way more calories and things than regular uh, high intensity workouts. But that is when I'm stressed, like that is like kind of like the equivalent of my yoga. So yeah. that's what I do is I go on a backpacking trip, go on a hiking trip and like I'm like one with nature, just outside rising and sleeping with the sun. So it's just amazing. Can you talk more about the different types of burnout? So you mentioned emotional and physical. Could you talk more about those? Yeah. So physical burnout is going to be much more prevalent with going too hard, right? So over-exercising our body or nutrient depletion. So there are specific nutrients that are more prone to depletion when we experience high levels of stress associated with burnout. And they play major roles in our energy production, our energy synapses within the body. So we can experience physical burnout when those nutrients are in a state of depletion in combination with kind of overdoing it physically. A lack of sleep can also contribute to physical burnout, again, because our body um, isn't giving the, getting the proper recovery that it needs during you know, our nighttime restfulness. And so what we're going to experience is 
like you said, that feeling of constantly being drained, of always having low energy, of maybe a lack of focus, that one is misleading, right? Because we think a lack of focus might mean that mentally we're drained, but it could in fact be physical burnout that we're experiencing because our body just physically does not have the nutrients it needs to keep the brain focused and and to keep that mood kind of balanced. So the mental and emotional burnout still experience a lot of those contributing factors, but perhaps we're not overdoing it with our body quite to the same extent. Instead, we're experiencing a lot of um, stress in our identity. So a big one that I hear from from women especially is the identity piece within the workplace of really trying to feel like how do we as women in STEM claim our space in, in this workplace and how do we fight against the gender stereotypes, the way that my male peers are treating me within the workplace. And it's just constantly battling against our identities. Likewise, we can feel like we're leaning too much into our masculine, right? So every every person has a blend of masculine and feminine traits, and they exist kind of, I liken them to a waterbed, right? Like that it's stable, but also kind of malleable. And if we're existing too dominantly in one or the other, it can make us feel emotionally or mentally burned out. And for me, when I was in the workplace, I managed teams of grumpy middle-aged men um, who were very confrontational. And so I had to assume, or at least I believed I had to assume, a lot of those masculine leadership traits and to match their aggression in the workplace. And it just really threw me mentally out of balance because I was never leaning into my feminine leadership traits. Yeah. I um, Before my company now, I worked for a company where I was the only female at the entire company. So definitely I understand those feelings about like having to match that masculine, like, like stereotype, because here I am, my husband and I talking about a family, how can I communicate with that and have them understand rather than them looking at me and saying, okay, well, she's about to go on leave, you know, and then if I'm having a bad day and actually have had someone at that company tell me that my female emotions were getting in the way of things. And I'm just like, what? Is it my female emotions? Or is it just because I am questioning what you're asking me to do? Like professionally asking questions like, oh, how about do this? And it was just very strange. And like you said, like it was just draining. And now I have found a company where uh, it's a, it's a different shift. Majority of the people at the company are, are female and it's just completely different switch. So I feel like I can be more myself and I'm not work, walking on eggshells like, oh, what happens if I accidentally say something about yeah. what's going on in my life? Then they're going to judge me for it. So I've definitely felt a shift in the like the stress, like it's gone down since changing this company. That is for sure. Uh, let's see. So we always do a segment where we kind of ask, do you have any advice for uh, women in tech? Yeah, I feel like where where can I start? <laughs> I think a 
a big piece of advice and something that I constantly come back to is encouraging women to really take the opportunity to get curious, to treat their bodies almost like an experiment. We're, we're data driven, right? We have learned how to manipulate, apply data and our findings and to take the same approach with our body. Pay attention to what's giving you energy, what's draining your energy. Pay attention to the times where you feel the greatest amount of stress. Pay attention to brain fog, digestion, all of those different things that can make or break how you feel throughout the day. We tend to give oversight as well to our hormones as women, probably because we've been conditioned kind of like you were at your last job to believe that our hormones and and how they evolve throughout the month are a detriment to how we work. But in fact, they can be a huge factor in how we work well and sophisticated when we lean into the times of fire and we're productive and we're really working with intensity and then leaning into the times of rest and recovery can be a real advantage for us in the workplace so by taking a posture of observance curiosity of recognizing that you alone are sophisticated like our genetic code is an incredible it's a complex right what's true for you is not true for me and that we can become really intimately familiar with what's working for our body and then be able to apply that across their stages of life and understanding how we can work as best as possible either professionally or personally I love that advice that's something that I joined Noom that was my pick a couple podcasts ago and they're really big into like you know, not everything fits. It's not a cookie cutter program. So what works for one might not work for the other. So I really appreciate you saying that. That's something uh, definitely for like the work balance too. So my advice is to find out what works best for you and have that communication like with your manager. So ask if there's like flexible working hours. So maybe you do have a kid or you've got a a parent that you have to take care of and you feel stressed out. Be sure to communicate with your manager of like, Hey, I've got this going on. Even if you don't want to tell them, just say, look, I've got something going on. Can I look into maybe working nights or having some flexible work hours? Or if you're wanting to take time off, don't be afraid to ask for time off. Definitely look at what your work's uh, vacation policy is. I know a lot of companies are doing that uh, unlimited PTO, and then some of them are doing three weeks. Or if you're a contractor, you might not get paid for that. But first, look at what the the policy is, but don't be afraid to, to take care of yourself. I think that is really big thing. And just like Caroline said, what works for one, it's not going to work for for others. I'm one of those, I can't work at night. I've got, you know, my my routine and trying to work at night is just going to get things so out of whack. So definitely, yeah, do some like internal, like, like I guess, reflection and just say like, what what's going to work for me? On, on the topic of routine, one of the things I particularly struggled with over the last year and a half when COVID hit is going from working every day in an office full of people to being at home alone and and trying to kind of recreate my routine. 
do you have any sort of advice for people who may be transitioning to remote working full time? Yeah, that's a, a great question, Lindsay, and something that I get asked pretty frequently in this post-pandemic era. And I'd like to to provide a little bit of a challenge in, in creating your equivalent of a commute when you're working from home. And this is something that 60 years ago, people didn't bring their work home, right? There were no computers. Maybe they would bring home a pen and paper spreadsheet. But for the most part, work was done in the office. And so for my clients that are adjusting into remote work, or maybe you have been doing remote work for a long time, but feeling like they have no boundaries around work, we create a commute, whether that is physically, they have to walk around the block before they can open their computer or answer that email. One of my clients does 30 kettlebell swings because she's like, I can do them, but I don't love to do them. And so if I know I have to do 30 kettlebell swings before I go to work, it makes me really evaluate whether or not it's worth it or if it can wait, right? So it it might feel a little silly to do something like that. But the beauty is you get to create your commute, right? The commute can be going and brewing yourself a cup of tea and then drinking that cup of tea in its entirety before you get to work. And you have to do that every time you feel inclined to return to work after you've told yourself you're done. And so likewise, we create a commute home from work or a shutdown routine where there's a, a series of, of actions that you have to take, say, I'm done with work. And that helps with creating a little bit of that space around work and that commitment to work, which we feel like we're lacking when Work is at the end of our arm on our cell phone, right? It is now an extension of us. And so by incorporating that, by making it a practice, it can help just bring it into better balance. I love that question, Lindsay. I'm what was one of those, like, I didn't call it the my like virtual commute. Um, but every morning I have coffee outside with my husband and uh, we live on a mountain. So we have this amazing view and I'll drink my whole thing, whole cup of coffee, coffee before I go to work. However, I don't do that at the end. Uh, I don't have any kind of routine. And so, I mean, I'm fortunate I was uh, working remote um, for about four, uh, five years now. And that's something I struggle with is telling myself to stop working. I find myself working well over 40 hours a week because my computer's there. I'm thinking it, there's a bug that needs to get fixed or I have a question and, or I just, I love what I do. So I might even just start building a feature and find myself like working on it for five hours. It's pretty sad. But one thing that I just had to do, and this was something I talked to, to my work about was I don't have Slack. I don't have uh, a work email on my phone. So that was something I communicated with them up front is I have been in a really bad habit at a a different work where I worked crazy hours. Um, I missed a lot of family events. And it was something that I was like, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to put work before family for me. My family is the most important thing. But that was something I communicated right out the gate was, I'm not going to have it on my phone because if I'm going to go on a holiday, if I'm going to go on vacation, I want to enjoy it and not have to worry about checking messages. I used to be bad. I'd get a text message at 10 p.m. because of European workers and be like, okay, let me answer this. And yeah, no, definitely 
So I, I like that you said, have that routine in place that's kind of like that commute going back home. So I'm going to definitely implement that in my day-to-day. Our sponsor today is This.Labs, a best-in-class consultancy specializing in staff augmentation, architecture support, and leadership, and training for startup and enterprise organizations. Find out more at this.labs.com or send us an email at hi at this.co. Yeah, so now we're going to go into uh, the section called picks. So that's where each one of us is going to talk about what we found found that is cool or maybe, you know, what we recommend to each other. So I can go first. Uh, so my pick is a website called Ancestry.com. So my mom bought my whole family uh, a DNA kit to find out what our, like, I, our lineage, I guess, is. And so she got us uh, for a gift. So if you are looking for a gift, especially for some of the older generation, I highly recommend it. But it was really fascinating because I found out that my family was from uh, Scotland and Norway. So definitely not something I had thought that I was Norwegian, but I'm a higher percentage of uh, of Scottish than uh, any of my other family members. And so it was just uh, something neat. Uh, So we decided to do the Highland Games here in North Carolina, the largest Highland Games in the U.S. And so we found our tartan plaid and we got to meet up with other people from our Scottish clan. So really, really fun. So if you're looking for a gift idea or maybe you're just curious about uh, yourself, I highly recommend doing that and learning more about your background. Caroline, do you want to go next? Yeah, absolutely. So my pick today is a website called thorn.com. It's T-H-O-R-N-E.com. And Thorn is taking a slightly different approach to wellness by really not prescribing, but providing a detailed look at you as the individual. So I know I've been guilty of this in the past. I go to the supplement aisle at the store and I'm just like, I've heard that this is good and oh, maybe I should get this nutrient. But the truth is that maybe my body doesn't need that nutrient or the the quality of the product is very low. Supplements aren't regulated by the FDA. And so you, know, you really have to do a lot of research to find the quality stuff. But what Thorn does is starts with health tests. So you can find out what your body is missing. And then you get to make the decision as an individual as to whether you want to meet those needs through food and other lifestyle adjustments, or if not, if supplementing those nutrients would be appropriate. And so it gives you a much more detailed picture of those nutrients that your body is missing and and then delivers it in a way that's easy to understand because professional is is evaluating those results for you. You can also do something like this with a functional medicine doctor, someone to evaluate your labs and really walk you through your nutrient profiles and better understand those key nutrients like magnesium that might be playing a, a critical role in your energy processes, for example. So thorn.com, find out what your body's missing, understand your health needs, and then improve the way that you're feeling. That sounds really good. I'm sure we can all relate to that. So my pick for today is a browser extension called Marinara. It's a Pomodoro assistant, and it's something I found recently, and it's 
I guess, related to the topic at hand, which is burnout. And for me, it's a way of having that focus time and taking myself away from the computer at, you know, regular intervals, whether that's an hour or an hour and a half. Um, and I find that it's been really useful to just ensure that I'm taking those taking those regular breaks and getting myself away from the machine. And whether that's going outside for a five, 10 minute walk or taking the dog for a walk, it's just, it's been really useful to me. Oh, that does sound great. Those are both really exciting. I can't wait to go and, and look more into those. So Caroline, for our listeners who maybe they want to continue this conversation with you or like book a session with you, how can they uh, get in touch with you to, to learn more about that? Absolutely. My website is www.miltoncc.com. That's M-I-L-T-O-N-C-C.com. You can book straight from that website. I'm also very active on LinkedIn. So linkedin.com, you can find me Caroline Milton or the backslash for my profile is Caroline A. Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. Got that Dutch spelling of Anderson. But certainly the, the easiest way is through the website or through Instagram. My handle there is at Transforming Tired and sharing lots of tips on Instagram, sharing more about healthy eating and really taking ownership for your food because we can't approach burnout without also talking about our nutrition. It's just, we can't, right? Because our body is depending on our nutrition for maintaining processes. So those are, those are the avenues. Great. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening to another She's in Tech podcast. Uh, be sure to view our past episodes and make sure that you see whenever we post new episodes. And if you have any suggestions, uh, please let the team at this.know on Twitter. Uh, my name is Daisy Nolan. Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at Daisy underscore Nolan. Lindsay? My name is Lindsay Browning and you can follow me on Twitter at lbrowning86. Perfect. Thank you all so much. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.